The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello, welcome back to the Inside Elland Road podcast, the first of the Michael Phelps era. Leeds United's takeover by 49ers Enterprises has been approved once and for all. The club is now under new ownership, the 49ers investment arm holding a 100% stake in the club. Uh, Andrea Rajazani has officially left the building. Um, we've had some tweaks to the boardroom, statements, pledges and the like from new chairman Parag Marath. And you know what else, Graham? They've only gone and signed a player. They have. They've, uh, they've made a sign-in. Signed someone. Uh, and they did. Uh, it, I was just uh, my mind went to a different place there when you were, when you used the phrase Andre Rodrizani has left the building, and I was just wondering if he'd left any like notes or like pranks or uh, little gifts like squirrelled about the place. Um, but of course, we know that he hasn't been at Elland Road very often of late, so um, probably not. Probably didn't like the last time he was at Elland Road. Think I'm going to sell this. I'm going to sell all the, all of this very soon. Uh, and I'll be leaving. So he probably didn't have time to come up with like a an elaborate prank or joke uh, or like a you know fish in the in the ceiling tile thing. <laughs> Do you think he will have taken any souvenirs, any little trinkets from his time at Leeds? Because it has been six years, obviously come to an end now. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a quite a significant chunk of his professional career. It's a huge it's a, it's a huge chapter for Andrea Rajatani, and it really boosted his profile as a as a you know businessman in sport um and you you know you think about what it did for his companies like neo who got involved in those documentaries for amazon you know and since since he's arrived at leeds his his firm has been bought by DAZN, hasn't it which was a, a fairly major deal and he's been in premier league boardrooms um you know, I, I do wonder if there's ever any gift swapping i imagine it's not like pendants you know like uh, when you play european tie and you swap a pendant with the opposition. Uh, I don't know what the owner equivalent of that is. Maybe they trade pens, you know, like really fancy fountain pens. I don't know, embossed. a voucher for you can stay on someone's yacht for two weeks at a certain time. I wonder if it's it's like the owners try and outdo each other by getting their people to investigate like which Pokemon the their fellow owner's child really likes, and then, uh, you know, searching for a really rare card to present for their child and oh you've you've got me a, a pendant and a pen well here's a here's a very rare pokemon card that your child has been after for six years what a par move that would be <laughs> but it might not be like that at all they might they might they might just say hello it's entirely possible that it's a lot more professional than pokemon i imagine that um premier league board i imagine the topic of pokemon hasn't come up in um premier league boardrooms too often over the past couple of years maybe when there was the Pokemon Go hype of around, what, six, seven years ago, maybe? But yes, uh, Leeds United Football Club has been taken over by 49ers Enterprises. Uh, that happened at quarter past 10 on Monday night, uh, officially. Um, this is an important moment for Leeds United, Parag Marath said, the new chairman. Uh, we're already hard at work. This transition is a necessary reset to chart a new course for the club. We've already appointed a highly respected first team manager with a track record of success. We're confident Leeds will field a competitive squad to contend for promotion next season. It's a privilege to carry this torch 
As I know, as, as I know we have a responsibility to ensure this club makes our staff, players, supporters, and the Leeds and Yorkshire communities proud. Speaks well, doesn't he, Graham? Does uh, does Parag? Um, was that he a, does um, to what you found when when you met him earlier this month? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he is an impressive speaker. Um, also, we should just note that I know traditionally on this podcast you have struggled with foreign names, but it is Marathi, is is how you pronounce it. Um, yeah, he does. He does speak very well. He writes very well as well in the Yorkshire Evening Post um, when he writes for us as, as a bylined writer, as he did this week with an open letter, which I always think is um, I always think is a nice touch, not just because it's the YEP and because we benefit directly but because it's quite a traditional method uh, of speaking to fans and, it, and it's kind of it's a route that has been traveled by lots and lots of Leeds United people over the years over the hundred plus years that this newspaper has been covering this football club um, I don't know if I'm supposed to call this a newspaper anymore if, or, or what the exact term for us is because we're so much more than that but it, it, but it, I, I, there's something in me that quite likes the traditional kind of taking out a, an open letter in a, in an actual printed newspaper, and obviously it goes online as well. And I think people quite liked what he was saying. You know, the fact that he's not making huge promises, but there's kind of an underlying confidence. Um, he calling himself a custodian. Ultimately, you know, he can say. And he can say anything really, and they can rope in as many huge names, and we'll come on to that as they like. But like any owner, people are just wanting to see them put up the money, and then probably not say a great deal else, and then get results. You know that's what it's going to come down to. But I still think it's really important to tick all the boxes of um, reassuring fans about what kind of owner you're planning to be, you know, and, and reassuring fans that you are actually in touch with what the supporters want to hear, want to see, want to have done, that you understand that Ellen Road needs to retain its authentic rawness and, and all of that. Um, man, I think they also want to hear a little bit of ambition at the minute. Um, so whilst you will be judged on, you know, one or two things, I think it's good to get the initial bits right because you you don't get these days back, do you? You know you don't get the first week. You don't get a redo of your first week as owner. So a sign in, you know, an open letter. That podcast he did with um, with uh, Matthew Lewis. Never long. <laughs> I wanted to give him the respect of giving him his actual Christian born name, his his, his baptismal name. Um, and you went with the Harry Potter one. Shame on you. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting that. I mean, obviously, it, you don't like to use the term soft soap when it, but when it's club in house media, you're not really going to face the tough, hard questions, are you? But it was more of a gentle kind of introduction to who Parag is, um, which I think again is an important box to tick. So, um, so yeah, they've had the chance to say some stuff. Now let's see what they do. We'll get on to um, the the signing that was made this week, Ethan Ampadu. Um, but you touched on the, the sort of the big names that have arrived alongside the 49ers or, or with the 49ers. Um, many have come out of the woodwork or been named since the takeover went through. Um, none more so than 28-time Olympian, Olympic gold, um, 
28-time Olympic medalist. There you go. You got 23 golds, actually. Um, Michael Phelps. Um, and, you know, the likes of NBA basketballer Russell Westbrook, US golfer Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas, another golfer. Um, I'm sure there was some ice hockey bods involved there that you'll be more familiar with, Graham. Uh, was was Wayne Gretzky one of them? No, um, Wayne hasn't yet added himself. Um, it, it feels a case more now of who isn't involved than who is because there are so many athletes. And a lot of the athletes have, have partnered with um, Michael Schwimmer, the former Major League Baseball pitcher, uh, and his company. Um, what is it, a Big League Alliance? Big, big League Alliance or Initiative yeah. or something? Yeah. Um, which is a company that basically looks at data and predictive algorithms and invests in athletes in their careers and partners with them. But it it's kind of seemed to have corralled a lot of these sports stars, including Phelps, and brought them to, to the table to be part of 49ers Enterprises. And I think, I mean, I haven't had this officially, but I think that the the more modern nature of this investment group and the way it works, you know, these people putting into a fund and then the fund, which is represented by Marathi and Rudy Klein-Thomas and Pete Lowy on the board, the fund being the, the owner, I suppose, of, of Leeds United. That's probably where a lot of the kind of EFL scrutiny um, took time because it's not just a single owner, you know, like Wigan that was was taken over by the, the rugby guy recently and one one board member came onto the board. Um, yes, Loey and Marate have gone through uh, the, the directors and owners tests before, but... I imagine that a lot of the kind of the financial detail, where the money's coming from, where the money will be um, provided from for Leeds for the next few years, probably just took time for the, the EFL to unravel that all and, and get their heads around it, um, which is right and proper. It's just, it was frustrating, I think, for everyone because I think they really would have liked to have had this announced quite a while ago. Um, but it's done now. Um, no harm, no foul. As long as it, as long as it can't be proven in later months that this, cost leads in terms of time and um and cost them a good start to the season but um i think it's reassuring to fans that that with all these names that there will be an element of skepticism from leeds fans about why anyone's putting money into their club is it just a play thing is it because they want to see a massive return on their investment um or are they actually genuinely interested in leeds but i think it's reassuring for supporters that the actual decision making par lies in the hands of the board you know it's not it's not a zoom call of 60 people um all having a a vote on whether Farkas stays or goes uh or whether they go and sign um glenn kamara you know the the board ultimately makes the decisions um, and then puts that decision-making power into the hands of the football people at the club. Investors have their say. They all get to have discussions, but the board makes all the calls. So, um, so yeah, it's not. it shouldn't be a case of too many um, six-foot-eight, 300-pound cooks spoiling the, uh, the broth. It will be interesting, though, won't it, to see which big sporting names turn up at Elland Road this season? Because you'd imagine that, because the, especially the ones who've... I don't know, advertise themselves to be to be part owners or, you know, minority shareholders, which is what they are. You know, for them to to turn up and sit in the West Stand, that'll that'll create quite a bit of fanfare. 
It will, yeah. Um, I imagine at Thorpe Arch as well, there'll be a lot of visitors. Um, I know that Schwimmer has been there already this summer and he's had people looking at football and data and how data uh, works in the game and how it's used in the game, um, kind of getting his people to wrap their heads around where they can add expertise and value. Um, I absolutely love the idea of uh, Sam Greenwood, um, you know, gently doing a bit of breaststroke up and down the pool at Thorpe Arch and then coughing and spluttering as Phelps bolts past him like a torpedo and uh, leaves, leaves him <laughs> butterfly <laughs> leaves him in his wake. Um, yeah, Phelps Phelps is the that was the the one that really came out of left field. I mean, if you're gonna pick two that were a little bit um we're not in Kansas anymore territory, then Michael Phelps and the former deputy chief of staff at the White House um was <laughs> was another one. Um but they're very, very Jim, Jim Messina, isn't it? I mean, do we think that Jim Messina listens to this podcast? He might. Well, if he wants to do his homework on his investment, then really he should be covering all bases. But he, he, he might have a, a staff. He's probably got a staff of people listening to it, making notes. Um, the phone might ring soon, and they might have some suggestions of, or briefing notes. Um, yeah, it's it's all very, very interesting, and, and all a little bit unexpected, some of it. But the 49ers are very in, from what I hear, with particularly with the Democrats uh, in American politics. You know, they're very, very connected. Uh, York family are obviously very, very connected. Um, Marathi's been involved in elite, high-level sport for a long time now and will know an awful lot of people and will have dealt with an awful lot of people of serious wealth and serious business acumen. So hopefully those things all actually have a material benefit for Leeds United, you know, that it's not all just um, fluff. You know, it's not all just, oh, look how, look how high profile our, our, our financial backers are. Hopefully, other than, you know, putting the money in, and, and we should talk about that as well, you know, the fact that they're rich doesn't actually mean they can go out and buy the championship this year. But rather than just the money, you know, let's see them use their their contacts and their power and their influence to benefit Leeds United. And, and whether that's in the stadium development or whether it's in giving Leeds a leg up when it comes to data and AI, um, or, or whether it's simply in um, in the agents that they can kind of work with or the agencies they can work with or markets that are untapped that they can, they can look into. Um, let's see what they actually bring to the table. You're going to get yourself in trouble again by conflating data and AI is the same thing. Do you remember when you said that um, that Leeds' search from a, for a manager had taken data into account and artificial intelligence and that sort of thing? You didn't mean that, but then it got picked up by that. a different site. Yeah, I know you didn't say that. And I'm, I'm saying yeah. it's not, but no, it's it's not as though AI is going to end up picking the team or anything like that. Um, and, but that would be really yeah. interesting, you know, if chat GPT was, was actually suggesting the lineup uh, and Farka was having to go with it every week. <laughs> you know what? We might do a little feature on that at the end. Might just log on to ChatGPT at the end and see who uh, who it reckons should start for Leeds on the first day of the season. Um, yeah. But moving on, someone who probably will start for Leeds on the first game of the season, Ethan Ampadu, 44 cap, Wales international, uh, joined from Chelsea on a permanent deal, four-year contract, um, £7 million initial fee, plus add-ons, probably up to around £10 million. 
Um, thoughts on on that signing, Graham? Well, don't go guaranteeing him game time straight straight from the off, Joe. Everybody has to win their place. Uh, I could see him playing as one of the sixes um, if it's a four-two-three-one on the opening day. I could see him in defensive midfield. I remember Ethan Ampadu uh, when he when he burst onto the scene uh, at Exeter, and he did burst onto the scene because he was like sixteen at the time, and he had dreadlocks. Seventeen? Um, no, he was fifteen. Made his league two 15. debut when he was fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. Uh, yeah, he was sixteen when he went to Chelsea, wasn't he? And then by the time I think they'd actually agreed a tribunal fee, he was, he was maybe seventeen. Um, and he had his dreads, and and it was all the all the kind of usual stuff about oh he's got his exams or he's got his school and um, but there was very quickly a YouTube compilation of his first few games at Exeter and his kind of and he and he was doing that thing that really very good young players do of playing the game like a fully grown man you know making tackles making interceptions making making it look like he was controlling the play at times so you could tell he was special and then. And then obviously he went to Chelsea. Uh, and a move to Chelsea is a very difficult thing for a lot of young players because you're competing against not only a lot of fellow very good young players that they've you know cobbled together from everywhere or, or that produced their own through their academy, but you're also competing with world-class players that have cost upwards of 20, 30 million to ever get in a side. So you do find so many of them farmed out on loan uh, and a lot of them just don't tend to make it at Chelsea through, well, multitude of reasons. Um, but I think lack of exposure and lack of chances can be can be one of them because there's only so many players can actually play at Chelsea. Uh, I'll never forget a, a player offered, being offered a, a new contract at Chelsea at, at the age of 18, turning it down to go and play in League One and proving to be not good enough for League One, then proving not to be good enough for League Two, and then ending up in like the the Southern Premier Division, like two years after Chelsea offered him a, a two-year deal. Um, it feels like there's a, I don't know what the word for it is, but uh, hoarding, a hoarding of talent. So moving to Chelsea, I think, might not have been the best for Ethan Ampadu's career. But all the while, He's been racking up experience, you know, just not particularly at, at Chelsea. So he, he's played in Germany a little bit. He's played in the Premier League with the Blades. Uh, he's played in Serie A with two clubs. And he's managed to arrive at this point in his career at the age of, what is he, 22, 23? He's 23 and he's got 44 international caps. I mean, he could he could go on to be an 80, 90 cap player, couldn't he? He could feasibly be a, a centurion, I think. He's 44 caps at the age of 22. Um, 22, that is. He's 22 years old, not 23, as Graham said. Um, you, you you just, I said 22 and you shook your head. How dare you? So I said no, 23. No, because no, you said 22, 23. I then started shaking my head and then held up two two fingers, not that way, to the camera. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. No, but yeah, back back to Ampadu. Come on. Um, he's 22 yeah, until he's 23. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah, a, a, I mean, not just a full full international, has been a full international for several years, has played at the Euros, has played at the World Cup, um, has, has been commended for his leadership qualities, um, even when he hasn't been a designated leader on the pitch, i.e. by wearing the armband. Um, 
I think he's exactly what Leeds need in that position. A lot of people have said, well, he's very similar to Tyler Adams by what we've heard. Yes, that's true. I think if you want to be realistic about things, you know, the United States captain is probably going to be in demand this summer, provided he, he's overcome his, his hamstring injury um, to the fullest of his ability. So you have to you have to preempt that T- Tyler Adams might end up leaving. And you don't want to be left in a position where you don't have someone who can f- essentially fulfill his role. And I think Ampadu will go 85 to 90% of what Tyler Adams has shown he's been able to do because he has done it at various clubs. Yes, I've seen a lot of people saying, okay, well, he's got three relegations on his CV. But when you go in at a loan club, you, you, you I mean, it's it's difficult when you're playing in a poor team. I mean, that, that Blades team that season was, you know, coming to the end of its life cycle, wasn't it? And Ampadu came in, I, th- I can't remember who it was, who got a really bad injury for them in defence. And he ended up having to play in the back three. And it just wasn't the right time for him. It wasn't well suited. Um, and then going to, to Italy, signed for Venezia, who were newly promoted, hadn't been in the top flight for a while. And then Spezia as well. Again, not a, a historically established uh, Serie A club. So he's, I mean, you, you have to say that he'll have learned plenty in this this last three, four years of his career. Um, and as well, it helps that he does have an existing relationship with Tyler Adams as well. Um, so if you were, if you were going to keep Tyler Adams or if you were able to, then playing those two alongside each other, you, you'd, um, yeah, if you were Liam Cooper, you probably wouldn't have too much to do. Um, because they could, do you they, think, they, do you think they'd need that though? Do you not think that would be a too, too defensive orientated pair of sixes? Do you not want one of them to be a bit more? I mean, do you think that Ethan Ampadu is the man who gets, do you think he's the one that gets on the ball out of the duo? Because Adams, Adams on the ball in the championship is probably going to be just fine, but obviously he's he's like an elite ball winner isn't he so he goes and hunts down the ball and gets it back for you um and then he he uses it fairly simply but if Leeds are going to be the team that we think they are that sets sets out to dominate possession do you need too much ball winning ability in there in the two sixes or do you need a bit of ball winning ability but a bit more control you know a bit more ball retention ball progression like do you need, just need a bit more of a, a player in their technician? No, absolutely, I agree. I think you're right. But then again, you you don't necessarily need to pigeonhole that player to be a, a, a central midfielder. You know, you could have a centre-half stepping up and you can have one of the midfielders dropping back to cover that position. Um, you know, you could have your full-backs joining that sort of midfield line of, of two to make it a three um, and create an overload on one of the sides. Um, so we saw that, didn't we? Saw that in Oslo. With the, the yeah. fullbacks tuck, tucking in, um, the reason I say that, and and this is just a just a thought that I've just had, but and it, and it's it's going to be met with a cacophony of boos, but do you think it would be so bad to sell Tyler Adams this summer? Right. Well, I've I've thought about this as well, um, and <laughs> <laughs> given that um, that Tyler Adams is you know, probably one of the most popular Leeds United players at the club, given the way that he speaks, given the way that he plays, especially. Um, I think, obviously, it's a move which would not go down too well with a lot of people. If you're looking at the actual style that Daniel Fark is going to play, then maybe this maybe this season, and I'm not saying 
next season if Leeds were promoted, then that it would be a good decision to sell Tyler Adams now. But realistically, his his stock is fairly high still, even though Leeds have been relegated. He didn't really have too much of a role to play in that. He was, you know, very good at the World Cup. He's really, really um, regarded highly in in the United States. Stock will still be high in Europe. Is his is his value at its peak, even even though Leeds have have gone down? And I, th- I think there's an argument that it is sort of nearing that that stage. So yeah, it's it's not you, you want to keep characters like Tyler Adams around your football club, don't you? So on that basis, no, I don't think it's a good idea. But if Daniel Farker, for example, wants to bring in a technician or he wants to bring in somebody who is better on the ball, progressive, um, like he has done previously at, at clubs like Norwich, um, which he's done in the three of the four full seasons that I think he had there, then potentially. But again, do, what, what kind of message does that send? Yeah, the, I mean, the optics are obviously important, but the more important thing is getting the team right to get promoted. Um just it, this all reminds me of that great tweet we had that said that that you were always trying to sell off all the players, um, <laughs> like you're on some kind of commission. I, I'd like to Who, know if me? you're on commission, actually, because yeah, you. There was a tweet when, once when, that, that I can't remember. I must have sent it to you. It was a couple of weeks ago. That accused you of trying to sell off all the Leeds players. Um, I'd love to be on commission I, for that. Uh, oh, that. That noise is just Neo uh, having a drink. Um, it's awful, isn't it? The noise of a dog <laughs> drinking from a bowl is an absolutely horrendous noise. It's nearly as bad as the noise of him grooming his his paws and his legs. Um, the other thing about the Tyler Adams situation or about selling a player that you can maybe afford to lose, uh, and I say that cautiously because because I'm not I'm not absolutely sold on the idea of selling Adams, but Leeds are probably going to have to sell someone because. Financial fair play, profit and sustainability is a very real thing. And as we said earlier, it's all well and good having people with billions of pounds, uh, as Leeds do have billionaires or billionaire heirs involved. Um, I think Rudy Klein-Thomas is a billionaire, isn't he? Um, Pete Lowy is from a billionaire family. Uh, There are others in the investment group that are worth huge huge sums of money but you cannot just go and spend a hundred million in a summer in the championship because you can only make is it 39 million pound loss over three in a three-year rolling period um you also have to generate money in order to spend it and bringing down the wage bill was was a good idea. They protected themselves with those clauses in the contracts, the wage reductions, getting Rodrigo off the wage bill and and the others as well who, let's be honest, even with wage reductions, you know, those those sign-ins, Christensen, Llorente, Aronson, Rocket, they were all signed as Premier League players, so they were on Premier League wages. Um, getting them off the wage bill has helped. I still think Leeds are probably going to have to sell someone um, and they're going to have to box clever when it comes to expenditure. You know, they can't just go and spend twenty million on a centre mid, twenty million on a striker, fifteen million on a winger, ten million on a keeper, unless their business plan is is has been put forward to the FL that shows actually we're not going to lose thirty nine million over over three years because we're going to make money this way and this way and, and this way and, and boost revenue in, in other ways. 
Um, they still have to box clever. You just have to box clever in the championship. You just cannot go and buy the league. Some people have, and they've run file of the laws. Uh, I just don't think you want to do that in this day and age. And Leeds didn't do that um, under Radrizzani in the championship. You know, they they were one of the clubs that actually appeared to stick to the rules. Uh, and I would imagine that will remain the case with the 49ers. So recruitment's going to have to be very, very clever this summer. Uh, I also think, though, that maybe one big sale might help to that regard. And if one big sale then facilitates the arrival of two or three, then are, are you are you better off for it? But, I, but I, I understand fully that people will be screaming at their transistor radios or whatever they're listening on, saying, you can't sell Tyler Adams. Uh, I understand fully. But who would you sell then? Well, you're looking at the likes of Melier, Nonto. Yeah. I'm not saying I would Ooh. sell them. I'm saying well, that well, who they, would, well, they are well, the sustainable I'm asking, the, I'm asking you the question, Nick Hammond, right? Who are you selling? Uh, oh, who am I selling? I don't have the... Well, who am I selling? I would have sold Robin Cock, but unfortunately, <laughs> that, that, that ship has sailed. Um, for big money, though, are we talking like 20 plus? I mean, you've got Jack Harrison as well. Do you cash in on Harrison, given the, 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 the other options you have in the wide areas? Given that I typically, think, typically Daniel Farker wants to use inside forwards rather than wingers, I see. I I think Jack can play inside. Uh, I don't mind the idea of Jack playing a little bit more inside. I mean, I, obviously, where I really like Jack Harrison is bringing down the ball with a great first touch right out in the touchline, taking no more than two or three touches, and then delivering the ball. Um, Willie Nyonto, I think, works really, really well. Out wide, um, Sinistera. I just think it's good enough to to do something good wherever he wherever the ball finds him. I think if you had a cast iron sense that Jack Harrison wanted to stay, and you had the same from Sinistera, then maybe Nyonto is the one. But Nyonto is a very it's a hard sell for supporters because he's a player of such promise and potential, and he's a player that you could see. His value skyrocketing. Um, even if even if he stays, Nyonto, right, and has the kind of season that I think we all know he's capable of in the second tier, his his value next summer will be through the roof because we've seen a lot of players go from the championship for big money. But if he is then a Premier League player because Leeds have won promotion and he's had an unbelievable season in the championship, then you keep him, obviously, but you keep a player that's then going to have a value like tenfold what you paid for him. Um, it's really difficult. It's it's really challenging to look at the situation as Hammond and Farker and Kinnear, etc. And obviously the new man, the new Great technical director. Um, it's really challenging to look at the situation and, and see somebody that is an acceptable sale. You know, a, a sale that doesn't hurt the team and it doesn't hurt the fan base, and it doesn't hurt the harmony at Thor Barch. Um, now, we're talking almost as if Leeds are going to have all the control and all the decision-making power here. At any time, a bid could come in for Nyonto, and we should probably talk about him and, and the Everton thing again, but a bid could come in for him, a bid could come in for Harrison. Um, I think I don't think they'd be too upset 
to be honest, if a bid came in from LEA, because the noises that he's made almost make it, I think everyone's almost had their adaptation period to getting used to the idea of him going, haven't they? So maybe that's not such a difficult one. But some of the others, a bid could come in at any stage that leads that that the player just turns around and says, "Yep, I want to go. I'm, you know, I'm a Premier League player. I want to go play for Newcastle or Villa or whoever. I want to go play in Serie A. Uh, that'll change things. It'll change the dynamic. But right now, with Nyonto, the only one that there's much noise about, it feels like Leeds are in quite quite a good position, and they can almost decide a little bit." What what route they're going to take? Um, but like I, I think, think, it could I think Leeds will. I think Leeds will end up. Sorry, Graham. I think Leeds will end up keeping some of the players. Certainly one at least. Some of the players that at the end of the season we all said, well, definitely they'll go. Or they'll go. Or, you know, just simply because there's there's not enough time to to sort out these outgoing moves and to sort out replacements. And you know, Leeds will rightly so play hard play hardball. Because they, as, as we've discussed on this pod previously, you know, they're not in dire financial straits. Yes, they might need to make one big sale. But again, I think you've got quite a few potential sacrificial lambs there. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting. Um, on, on the topic of Willie Nyonto then, there was the, uh, the £15 million bid reported that, that came in for him from Everton. Um, again, I don't know where Everton are getting the money from. You know, clubs do find a way of financing these deals um, all the time, despite the, the FFP issues that Everton do have. Um, I think it is reflective of how difficult they are finding things at the moment that Seamus Coleman was given a year extension uh, and 38-year-old Ashley Young was also signed on a free transfer. Um, I think they're going to get Dan Juma as well on loan from Spurs. But again, that's a, it's a loan, it's not a, not a buy. So only if they're able to offload players, you know, someone like Damari Gray, for example, are they going to be able to afford, um, you know, a, a signing like Nonto? But clearly they like him. If, they, if they've if they lodged the bid, then they they clearly think that he's, he's the one for them. But I, I do question that strategy because as much as we all do enjoy watching him play, he did blow hot and cold last season. And given the predicament and situation that Everton are bound to find themselves in next season, you know, I can't see them being comfortably mid-table. Um, I think they'll be in and around the bottom again. I, I, I maybe wouldn't be putting all my eggs in in the basket of a 19-year-old who is likely to cost a large chunk of whatever is available in the transfer budget. If I was Willie Nyonto or Willie Nyonto's people, I really wouldn't be jumping at a move to Everton. I, I, I think, yes, he did blow hot and cold. Yes, he did fall in and out of favour with certain of the several coaches that he had last year but he's on undoubted talent undoubted potential he is destined to play in the top flight either here or in italy um or elsewhere he's a big league player you know he's going to be a big five league player he's going to play european football and he's going to play for italy so why rush He's still really, really young. Why rush into a move to a team that that might not be able to give him the best platform to showcase his ability next season? The last relegation battle he was in was not fun. <laughs> he's he's had one already. Why leap straight into another? And you know, we can talk about how on earth Everton would manage to do it. I mean, fifteen million is, is derisory as a even as an opening salvo. I, I think that's far too low. 
I think you, I think it's twenty million minimum. I think for well, Nilto. I was going to ask actually. I was going to say if you were if you were Nick Hammond, what are you what what are you looking at and thinking? Well, that's an acceptable bid given the situation. Given I don't know whatever we've heard from the players camp. I I think I think eighteen plus add-ons, which are favourable to Leeds. I think that might that might move the move the needle a little bit. Fifteen is definitely mm. too low though. Twenty is twenty for me, but. Um, you drive a harder bargain than I do. I just like a big. I just like a round number, you know. I just like a nice, a nice round number with it with a zero at the Makes end. Makes it easier for the months. Uh, and and I, quite often as well, I would refuse to sell a player on Championship Manager two thousand one two thousand and two for any less than twenty million, and that was kind of my bar. But I just, I don't, I just don't know that I see this move uh, as a good one. And it's not that I can't see it happening. Because there's noise about it, and there's not a lot of noise about it coming from the Italian press. Uh, so somebody's driving that. There is a there is somebody saying "yeah" and and cracking the whip on the on those Italian media dogs, the huskies that are pulling the sled. Is it the speculation I thought, sled? I thought you were you were doing something very different. I didn't think you were doing a "yeah." I thought you you were sort of saying a word in your best northeast. I don't know <laughs> slang accent no. there. I thought, um, thought you were taking the mic. I think somebody, somebody's, you know, it was good though. It was good, authentic. I, th- I liked it. There's some, there's somebody's pumping the tires on this thing, but I think they should pump the brakes because I don't think it's the right move. I really don't. And this isn't a, you know, a colloquial, you know, local players for local club for the local paper thing that that you must stay at Leeds. But I honestly think a season at Leeds, if it's a good season and they are going to go for promotion. I think it could do wonders for a player like Nyonto. Like, think of the goals and assists that he could get in the championship. You look as well at the situation. Okay, when Leeds survived at Brentford on the final day, that was great. It, everyone was was relieved. But Burnley were the ones who unfortunately went down. Burnley coming up now, they they are very much a team in vogue. They are looking very, I don't know, they're, they're almost approaching sort of like football hipster territory, given the signings that they've made, given that Vincent Company's in there, given that, you know, they look, of the three promoted teams, like the one that will stay up the, the most comfortable next season. That and they play nice stuff. Be, and they play nice stuff. That could very easily be Leeds in 12 months' time. We could be sat here in 12 months thinking, well, wasn't relegation such a great thing? You know, had the reset, takeover happened, everything got aligned really well. Followed the the Burnley blueprint, if you will, um, and Everton could be the club that are finding themselves in the situation Leeds are in now, having just come down, and they'd be in a much worse situation financially. So, uh, yeah, I, again, yeah, that's, would, that's another reason I, I can't see why, but Everton would be a, a great move. Yeah, they would. I think if El- Everton fall, they're going to fracture a lot of bones. They're going to be like your man in that film that broke a bone every time he moved. Uh, if they fall out of the Premier League. Um, what film is that? You know the one with Samuel L. Jackson, Mr. As Mr. Is he Mr. Glass? I can't remember what the film is, but he like he breaks. But the he's the opposite of. He's the opposite of the one that doesn't get hurt because he gets hurt all the time. Uh, like even by just you know being nudged, he he breaks a bone. But what I'm trying to say is Everton are in a fragile, very fragile position, and if they come down, I think it will be painful. Um, not to say this relegation hasn't been painful for Leeds. I just think they're better cushioned, particularly now they've got new owners, and they've got you know steady revenue. 
very good commercial uh, stuff going on and they're not in the midst of building a brand new stadium that's costing a, an arm and a leg and they're not kind of up to their neck in that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't just don't know if you want to hitch your wagon to Everton right now. And But I also wonder how difficult it is at times for these people, um, kind of football agents and, and footballers themselves and their families, to, to zoom out a little bit and see the bigger picture. Yes, it is a very short career and you do need to maximise that career and you can't miss out on opportunities. And I suppose there's always the the doomsday scenario that Nyonto stays at Leeds and say Harrison and Sinistero do too. The unlikeliest scenario, I think, is that all three remain at Leeds after the, the deadline closes. But say that happened, Harrison and Sinistero go on an absolute tear and Nyonto can't get in the team or he gets in the team and he doesn't really quite fit Farkaball, uh, or he doesn't quite get it, or what, whatever. He just doesn't have a great season. And he gets kicked to bits in the championship, and then suddenly a move to the Premier League is a more difficult thing in a year's time. And maybe the the phone isn't ringing quite as often. That I suppose is going to be in their heads. It just feels like there's a lot of short termism in the game right now. There's a lot of people jumping at stuff because the initial finances are maybe driving it. Now, for a player who's 31, um, take right, let's let's take Adam Forshaw, right? If Adam Forshaw gets an offer from Saudi, and I imagine there probably has been some phone calls this summer, um, there's already a, a Scouse representative out there in Saudi that's putting a team together. So, so let's say, for the sake of argument, he's been on the phone. If you're Adam Forshaw, looking at the offers that are going to be available this summer, a move to Saudi in terms of security for your family for the next X amount of years, de- we're probably talking decades, then a move like that, it's hard to look past. It's almost impossible to look past. But if you're Willy Nyonto at the age he's at, surely you can zoom out a little bit and think, hang on a minute, you know, this this might be the you know an offer that's financially better for me than staying at Leeds. But is it really the best thing for my career right now? And honestly, and I'm quite sure we don't have any toffee listeners, so I don't mind saying this. I just don't think Everton is a good move for him at all. Well, Popey tunes in sometimes, um, so you might have to <laughs> have to worry about that on Saturday when you when you see him at uh, York. Um, right, okay, we're going to close out the uh, the winger chat now with one final question, very quick fire: Somerville, Sinistera, Harrison, and Nonto. You can keep two. Who do you keep? Oh, I think Somerville goes. So I think Somerville. No, no, no. Like, no, no. Like... That's not the question. That's not the question. It's who do you keep? All right. Okay. I keep Sinistera, and I keep Nyanto. and I yep, cash in on Jack. I cash in. Well. I cash in on Jack Harrison, and I say, "Thank you very much, Jack. You've been an incredible." servant to the club extremely professional chipped in with some big goals he was a, a big game player at times um worked his socks off but you know be free be free jack go and go and take a lot of touches in the premier league uh with i don't know let's say newcastle and earn yourself a whole heap of money and play in europe go and you know see some european countries he loves a bit of travel so and that one i think 
fans are almost expecting it. So it's not a difficult sell. And I think that one's fine. And I think Cree, I, I really like Crescencio Somerville as a footballer watching him play. And I think he's going to be a very, very good footballer. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's out the door this summer. And it wouldn't surprise a lot of people, I think. So those are my keeps, Nyonto and Sinistera. In terms of incomings then, um, Leeds have obviously been linked with Carl Darlow, the Newcastle goalkeeper, who looks as though he's probably going to join Bournemouth, um, and also Glenn Kamara at uh, Graham's beloved Rangers. Um, I took an impromptu trip in midweek up to uh, up to Ibrox to, to go and watch both players. Unfortunately, um, well, I'll have to put that on my expenses, actually. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> Glenn Kamara wasn't... Uh, and all the, the complimentary food. Um, Glenn Kamara wasn't present. Uh, he's been ill, according to, to Michael Beale, the Rangers boss. And uh, Darlow did play and has flown out to the United States um, with the rest of the squad for their preseason camp. Um, but is, is probably due to fly back any moment now as um, Newcastle and, and Bournemouth haggle over a fee. So um, in terms of incomings then, the, the names that have been mentioned, you know, the likes of Kamara, the likes of Darlow, Nat Phillips as well. I mean, what, what are we what are we feeling there? Is, is this is this sensible business? Your Kamara's, your Phillips, your Darlow's. Um, do you think Kamara's got uh, transfer window flu? He's got a bit of uh, got a bit of the old come get me itis. Um, yeah, I wonder how, how much of that illness that Bale's talking about is. Uh, debilitating hopefully not that'd be terrible um yeah Kamara is one that they have considered leads and looked at and it feels very doable and it also feels very sensible I mean I I don't absolutely love Glenn Kamara because I don't think he's always been a hundred percent consistent and con- consistently dominant in games I think he could be quite dominant in games like I think that's some an area of his game that that could improve. He could get a just, you know, when, when you just want my midfielder to completely run the show. That's that's what I want. Um, and sometimes he does it, and sometimes he doesn't. Um, do you think? Do you think, I think he's capable, Graham, of stepping up to the championship standard? How dare you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's more than good enough, Joe. Uh, don't you worry your wee head. Um, I think he'd be fine. I, I just, I think financially as well. What five million? Five million. If you cross Rangers' palms with four point five to five million, then I think we'll say thank you very much, Glenn, and and thank you very much, Leeds. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. Now let's talk about getting that preseason friendly nailed down. And this time we're not going to Welsh on the deal and replace it with Olympiacos because we want to play a European uh, side. Leeds are a European side. You know, we're still technically the continent of Europe, so that would have been European football too, and it would have been eight thousand Leeds fans at Ibrox, and it would have been absolutely glorious. Uh, the David Healy derby, um, I mean, there's others, obviously others you could, uh, the David Robertson derby. You're, you're taking you're taking the choice that, um, you're taking it to heart, aren't you, that, that Rangers didn't pick Leeds as their uh, their opponent for Alan McGregor's testimonial, and they chose another <laughs> team instead. Which team is that? Yeah. <laughs> That was just a convenience thing, I think. That was just like a the travel time, and um, Newcastle probably begged it, absolutely begged for that one. Um, did they take eight thousand? They probably did, didn't they? Uh, I believe Newcastle did. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Uh, well, they'll be taking 8,000 these days, won't they? Certainly. Um, it's funny, actually. I uh, I mean, not funny, but uh, I had my granddad's funeral this week and I, I spent an hour talking about football to my uncle, who's a massive Rangers fan, season ticket holder type. And he was at the Battle of Britain game at Ibrox when there was no Leeds fans permitted, um, which is odd. I think they would have behaved. Uh, I don't think Rangers and Leeds have ever had a problem, but I think they would have behaved. But, but he was saying they were at the opposite end of the ground to when Gary McAllister scored that wonder goal, like the, the looping volley into the top corner. And he said, he turned to his mate and said, did they just score? And they had no idea because... It was just silence. There was no like response because there was no Leeds fans in the ground, and it was down the other end. And it was only when the scoreboard changed that they realised that Leeds had actually uh, scored a goal. But it all turned out all right, obviously, um, thanks to Ali McCoyst and John Lukic and Mark Hately. But um, I wouldn't mind a bit of. I wouldn't mind if Kamara was the the um, he was the movement between. If he was the only movement between Ibrox and Ellen Road this summer, then Kamara, for me, would be a good one to go and get. I mean, Rangers have been, or Leeds rather, have been linked with um, Ryan Kent like relentlessly over the last few years, and Bielsa liked him, and they really, really looked at him and stuff. But I think Kamara's a player who could come in, and there wouldn't be much of a question in my mind as to, to whether or not he would be an effective sign-in to play in the midfield. He's he's safe and sensible from whenever I've seen him, and for in terms of the fit that he would be for Leeds, he's safe and sensible on the pitch. Financially, it's a reasonable deal. If you're looking at sort of between four and five million, wages probably wouldn't be Premier League level. So yeah, uh, it gets the uh, gets the I I E R seal of approval. Um, yeah, we've rubber and, we've rubber stamped that one. Too right, yeah. Um, in fact. We did have a behind-closed-doors friendly, didn't we, Graham? That neither of us were obviously at. No media, no public allowed. Didn't stop quite a few Leeds fans perching themselves on the hill overlooking the training pitches at Oakwell. Uh, 9-1 against Barnsley, I believe the score was. Nine. It reminds me a bit of that time that Alfreton did Sheffield Wednesday about 14. It was 14-0 or something, wasn't it? Like like something utterly insane. Alfreton time. Uh, what they beat Sheffield Wednesday 14 now. Yes. Yes. I think Sheffield Wednesday sent a team of kids and I think Alfreton probably played their first team of men and and it was men against boys. But I can't, I can't remember the exact lineups, but I just remember it being like I'm sure it was 14. Maybe it was 10 or 9, but maybe it was 14. Um, it was enough it was enough for the the Sky Sports video printer to put the the number of goals in in brackets with the actual words <laughs> yeah. typed out. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely that, yeah. Um yeah, 9-1. Um I don't know what you can take from it because I didn't see the game. Um, I mean, I play in behind closed doors games every Monday night, so uh, it's nothing new to me. And my games are a lot more competitive than nine one, nine one. Regardless, if I played, so so this coming Monday, if we played a game of six aside, seven aside, and lost nine one, I would be in a foul mood for at least twenty four hours. So God knows how these professional footballers at Barnsley felt for a day or two after that because they should have felt absolutely ashamed it shouldn't matter you know what kind of team is put out when you're playing against even in a friendly when you're playing against a local rival like that then that must really have stung uh and Leeds obviously went to town um maybe it was just a complete mismatch you know maybe Barnsley were 
we're putting out kids and, and trialists, I don't know. And and there is a reason why these things are behind closed doors as well, you know, that, that but Leeds fans get where water cannot and they will find out. They will find you and they will shame you for your nine one defeat. So the world knows. Uh and um yeah, we'll see what it actually means when Leeds take on Monaco again. Always playing Monaco. I feel like they play Monaco every five minutes, Leeds. So here they are again, Monaco, this time at York. Um, they're taking it on tour, the Leeds and Monaco show, to uh, to York. And, yeah, we'll see, won't we, Like if things have moved forward a bit um, for from Oslo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, from Oslo. Um, but I think... What fans actually, really actually, sorry, want to sorry, Graham. Just on that on that Barnsley game, for anyone who is, isn't aware of, of what, or what is has been rumoured to have been the scorers, apparently Matteo Joseph got a couple, um, Somerville got a couple, uh, Max Verba supposedly took the armband, Charlie Cresswell was involved. Um, so this this isn't just a podcast uh, to um, to promote where you get up to football on Monday nights. It is actually informative. At times as well, <laughs> very, very important. It's not just, it's not just a vehicle to, to self to self-aggrandize yourself and your own you exploits it, on the pitch. You don't want to make it too information heavy, Joe. There has to be an element of whimsy involved. Um, Matteo Joseph, he's one that we are hearing good noises about um, this summer. You know that he has impressed in pre-season. Um, I think out of him and Perkins, Perkins is probably the one that goes on loan. I think. Joseph probably stays around and I think he might get a chance, you know, get a bit more of a chance certainly than he had last season. Um, you like him, don't you, Matteo Joseph? You think he's good? I do, yeah. I especially like his Instagram stories, which he um, he puts the music on over the background, which is uh, it's usually a bit of Spanish reggaeton, um, which I quite like. Uh, yeah, no, I think he's, I think he's a really natural finisher. Um, good sprinter. Can run the channels um, when he fills out even more because he has done over the past twelve months. I think he he'll carry a threat in terms of with his back to goal as well. So I think there's a potential, and I'm pleased that Daniel Farker has also seen that he can play off the left um, when he brought him on against Man United. That's where he played him um, because I think that yeah, like I say, when you're running that channel, he's definitely got the potential to um, to to cause some harm. Good presser, good energy. So yeah, I can see why he'd be. He'd be someone who sort of is a bit of a bolter for this season in the first team. I like the way you phrased that. I'm pleased that Daniel Farker has seen what I already knew that Matteo Joseph can play off the left. <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, it's well actually... done, Daniel. <laughs> it's uh, ah, you've spotted it. You've spotted it, have you? Yeah, the old I'm playing off the left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's actually what Michael Scubala noticed first, to be honest. But um, yeah, well. Uh, We'll save save the flowers to see how he gets on with the twenty ones this season. They still um, need a still need a nine though for me this summer. Um, well, I mean we've we've said it, haven't we, Joe? We've all said it. We've said it a lot of times. Um, they need a nine. They're probably going to need a winger if if one or two depart. They need another midfielder. Kamara would fit. They need a goalkeeper. And Melier's back this week and in training. He's got a long term contract. There are no offers on the table for him, so we have we have discussed this previously, so we won't do it again. But you know, I don't know if he definitely goes. Um, but they have been looking at Darlow, and, and now it looks like Darlow's off to the cherries. He's been cherry picked, and um, 
Don't shake your head. I've told you, you can't shake your head on a podcast. Um, he, yeah, I, I could see why he'd choose that move. So it'll, what'll be interesting here is if Leeds take another look at uh, the German boyo, or if they maybe try and... Is that, what, is that what we're going to call him from now German on? Boy, yeah. Um, Alexander Nubel, for anyone who, who's um, unaware of who the German boyo is. Everybody um, knows who the German boyo is. Uh, what would be really interesting is if Leeds... you Because know, we're hearing the word aggressive a lot. We've heard it about the wage bill is going to be aggressive and this Ampadu thing was aggressive and very aggressive lot, this, this 49ers lot. What would be interesting is if they got their elbows out and tried to get stuck into this Bournemouth deal for Darlow and just put a question in his mind, um, or whether they just say, right, you know, Sodja will go and get someone else instead, which they might have to do because he might say, well, no, actually, I'm going to Bournemouth. Thanks very much. Yeah, I imagine that the the deal that Bournemouth are able to offer Newcastle and Darlow so in terms of a transfer fee and also wages will probably be a bit more lucrative than the one Leeds are able to just because of the two the leagues that the two teams are in. Um, before we do finish, though, for, for today's episode, we um, we were tasked last week or the week before to come up with um, a player who resembles a band or a song. Um, and I mentioned this to you an hour ago. Have you come up with any, Graham? Or are you going you gonna to have to rely on me as per usual? <laughs> I, I thought that this could be your moment to, uh, it could be your moment to shine. Because I, well, obviously I do a lot of the, a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the laughs on the podcast. So right. I don't know, maybe 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 pitch in now and again. <laughs> um, right. Well, I'm not going for laughs. I'm going for gasps. Um, on on that sort of, uh, I can't remember who it was who requested it, but fair play for it because it's it has given me um, something to think about this week. Um, I thought that the Melier, the familiar, um, if he ends up staying. At Leeds, because either they don't receive any offers which meet his valuation, um, then his song could be "Sorry" seems to be the hardest word, because <laughs> yeah, you know, have you do you say all that talk about? Well, I'll have to see if Leeds is the right project for me, and then you end up being on the bench for that 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 game against uh, Sheffield Wednesday on the second of February, second uh, of September, after the windows closed. That would be um, that would be in his AirPods or his headphones as he's as he's coming into the ground, and. I did want to go with a little bit of a Glastonbury theme because I've been thinking about it constantly since I wasn't there. Uh, but Tyler Adams, a bit of Rick Astley, never going to give you up in terms of the uh, the the hardball tactics. We, we get it. Play. Yeah, we get it. Or or stay by East Seventeen. Um, I, I I was going to say that you could cast Robin Cock uh, as Freddie Mercury with that moustache, but then I realised. You have a moustache, so we can't really go to anti-moustache on this podcast. Um, <laughs> How would it be anti-moustache? I don't. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Robin Cox's moustache. I thought. I thought he was at his peak handsomeness when he arrived at Leeds without without the moustache. Um, I think. I think Robin, you've got nothing to hide. You know, you've got nothing to be ashamed of with that face. So just just let the world see it. Uh, I am struggling to come up with bands that that would represent that a player would would represent the 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 Bamford and Bon Jovi thing is too easy. Uh, I think he likes his country as well, doesn't he, Bamford? Um, but it is difficult to. I'll have I'm going to have more of a think about it. 
I might I might put some time in the Google Calendar to think about it this week, maybe two or three hours to sit, just sit and think about that very topic and then maybe return to it next week. Yeah, okay, please do that on your own time. Um, not, during, <laughs> not during working hours, please. Um, yeah, uh, we actually oh, I did have a tweet of the week, but I can't find it right now. So, Graham, you might have to buy me some time. It was from, um, from our good friend Sam. Sam, 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 Sam92, I believe, is, is his at. Um, I feel like this is his regular. Feature, is, isn't he? It's, it's the tweet of the week sponsored by Sam, 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 Sam92. Exactly, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's cornered the market. He has cornered the market a little bit. Um, actually, yes, I found it now. Uh, it was in response to the the piece uh, that I did about Ethan Ampadu is, is sort of his first words since signing. And Sam decided to say, think the big story here is that tube lighting could be the signing of the season. Now, if you haven't seen the Ampadu <laughs> announcement picks, then he sat in front of some tube lighting, which spells out LUFC, which is, I can't figure out where it is. Is it at Thorpe Arch? It looks like it might uh, be. Or maybe Ellen sure. Road in front of Stadium Way Car Park. But yeah, some nice fancy tube lighting. I've thought of a song that uh, Leeds fans could sing. They would have no credibility for at least 50 years so so that's what you have to weigh up here like the careful now the enjoyment of singing the song versus being a laughing stock for 50 years but they could fashion a song for ethan ampadu to the tune of agadu by black lace um for obviously the, the blank look on your face you're very very young you might not have heard it oh, it was uh, it was a song from 1984 uh, I mean, I was only one at the time, but obviously I was I was keenly aware. Um, there, there was one that, to that tune that was going around on Twitter yesterday. It was as in Amper do 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 plays in yellow, that's, white, and blue. <laughs> that's that's yeah? literally. So I've so I can't think, I can't not, think the next verse because it involves so, the word that Leeds fans use to describe Man United. Um, so, oh dear, that's interesting, isn't it? That other minds went straight there. Uh, just like mine did just now, went straight to that song. So mm. maybe we will hear that this season. Uh, I would like to hear that. I think if I had three wishes, one would be promotion, two would be that song, and three would be the retention of some of the press food that we had last season in the Premier League at Leeds. Um, I don't think the press food, I don't think there should be a, a relegation in terms of press food. I don't think that's warranted. I think the press would. I think you should feed the press for the division you want to be in. You should you should cook as if you're a Premier League team when it comes to the media. Right. This has been the Inside Ellen Road podcast from this week. We've gone over the hour recording, um, so I might have to claim that time back. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Leeds have been taken over. Ethan Ampadu is the first senior signing of the summer. And um, yeah, we expect more to follow through the door. So um, we'll chat to you in the weeks to come. Bye for now. The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.